Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Views from the Clock End, an Arsenal Way podcast. I am your host, Tom Canton. Very happy to be joined this week, as always, by Kaya Kainak. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? I'm good. I'm good. I'm loving the new name for the podcast. I mm. uh, hope all the listeners are enjoying it too. Hope all our viewers are enjoying it too. And yeah, I've, I've just about calmed down after yesterday because it was stressful. I think if they, yeah, just, just pure <laughs> stress. As I was trying to say that word, I was trying to think of a more clever word to say than stressful or like a metaphor. No, nothing. Nothing does it better than just stressful. Mm. And I, I'm glad it's over. Uh, and it's something you can sort of look back on positively now. We're, we're going to be doing it over the next hour or so. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it just wasn't very nice. Uh, <laughs> in short, the entire day, I mean, obviously myself uh, and, and Ukiah were there yesterday. And, you know, you build yourself up to a game where there's an, an amount of tension and nerves uh, about it. And then after just over a minute, I think it was just over a minute, suddenly the lights around us flicker. <laughs> just they flicker out and come swiftly back on. However, the same could not be said for VAR, which just died uh, on the scene. Uh, and all of a sudden, the referee pauses the game, comes over to the, you know, to the technical area and starts to discuss with his, his, his fellow assistant referees. And next thing we're being told, you know, there's there's been a power outage to the dismay and disgust of the home and away fans who did not take the news well at all uh, on the day. But yeah, talk me through how kind of you were absorbing it in that 40 minutes of, of nothingness, if you like. Yeah, it was um, it was weird, wasn't it? Like, like you say, just over a minute after kickoff. Um, Ellen Road atmosphere was amazing, by the way. Mm. You know, just give a bit of credit to Leeds fans and the whole marching on together that they sing before the, the games. It was quite a sight to behold and it was loud and you sort of, you get that, kick off sort of everyone cheers yeah come on and then everyone sort of sits down takes their seats and there's a little bit of a buzz and sort of in that post kickoff buzz everyone's really excited and they're wide-eyed because they don't know what's going to happen in the game and then suddenly there's this like crashing overhead and it's like these lights are flickering like a horror movie or like a sort of a scene from stranger things when they're trying to communicate with upside mm -hmm. down and that kind of stuff and our wi-fi cut out the monitor cut out the big screen cut out and we're all thinking oh what's 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 going on here and then everything comes back on we're like okay back to normal you know no no big no big drama and then i think ben white puts the ball out for a throw by accident and suddenly mm -hmm. the game gets stopped and little did any of us know that was the last action we were going to see for 40 minutes so it was uh yeah it was a ben white has zero percent pass completion exactly awful, awful. <laughs> Drop him now get him out no wonder he's not in the england squad but um yeah it was a weird weird event um I think that at the start, they communicated a little bit poorly. We were obviously fortunate in the sense that we were connected to electricity, so we sort of had an idea of what was going on. But I mm. think for fans in the stadium and speaking to people who were at the ground, both home and away yesterday, um, they had no idea what was going on. And um, it was it was an odd one. It took about 10 minutes for them to confirm that there had been a power cut. And I think mm -hmm. people were questioning, you know, oh, well, why do they have to play? Why can't they just keep on playing? But I think we saw later in the game how important VAR and electricity mm. and all that stuff is with... Uh, 
with a a game like that. So yeah, it was um it was a weird experience. It's not something I've ever really experienced before. I've been going to I've been in this job nearly two years. I've been going to football matches since I was about eight years old. I can honestly say I've never seen anything like that. Obviously, we had the electrical storm delay in the summer in pre-season, and that was a little bit similar. But this was yeah, this was bizarre. And um, mm. there, there were talks. I think um, afterwards it was sort of confirmed that they they had considered playing the game without VAR. And yeah, like I said before, thank God it was it was there because it was it was a it would have been a strange afternoon without it, and I mean, made even stranger. It was a, just a weird, weird day yesterday. Yeah, no, it was it was very, very strange. Um, I can't say anything other than it being the oddest game of football I've ever been at. Um, that's for sure. And what followed, when you think about how good Arsenal have been this season, was probably equally odd in terms of Arsenal's performance. Um, it was very contrasting to what we'd seen previously. Less so the first half, because I think Arsenal had a lot of bright sparks in the first half, actually. And despite both teams playing some really good football each, you know, Arsenal able to get the goal. They had a couple of other big chances, like Jesus is on the right-hand side that he, he put over the bar. Leeds had a couple of chances after Arsenal wasted possession. In fact, I think it's the most losses Arsenal have had in the game. They made over 100 losses um, across the entire game, which is the most of the, uh, they've had. Just misplaced passes, loss of the of possession, turnovers, tackles, all that. Uh, just clearances, obviously, that end up in the feet of, of a Leeds player or lad towards them. Um, and it did feel like, you know, that in the first half that we got to half time, like, wow. How, how, like the Liverpool game, in a sense, how are we leading this one? It did feel that way, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, yeah, the first half, I mean, on paper, I suppose, was the, the better of the two halves, which, considering how, sort of, <clears throat> like you say, I guess, uh, how sort of fortunate we felt at half time, it was uh, quite the statement. It was not great from Arsenal. I think maybe we, we don't know how the delay impacted everyone, but it did seem like Leeds came out a little bit better. And I think, mm-hmm. um, We'll, we'll talk about your interview with Aaron Ramsdale a little bit later, but reading through it and reading through some of his comments elsewhere, the interesting thing was him sort of saying that Leeds reacted better to that than Arsenal did. And Arsenal have been starting games fast all season. Liverpool, they started fast. They've started fast against Spurs. You know, those kind of games where they just come out the blocks flying. And obviously when there's a delay after, what, 70-odd seconds, you can't do that. So I think Arsenal's whole momentum and routine did get disrupted and Leeds came back out the blocks flying. I mean, I, I saw stats going around that they completed 23 tackles in that first half, I think, wow. which is unbelievable when you consider, yeah. I think I think they, I saw this on Twitter, so you'll have to forgive me if it's not completely accurate, but they're, they are accurate. They are averaging the highest in the Premier League per game and that's just 22. So in the first mm-hmm. half alone, they made 23 tackles and the highest, you know, on average, Leeds have the highest tackles per season and that's just 22. So that shows how, how much they were pressing and I think they knew this was an Arsenal side who were kind of running on empty, and I think they gave they gave quite early an impression. You know, if Arsenal were going to win this, they they probably need a full tank of gas to do it, and they, they didn't have that. So somehow they came out of that with a victory. I mean, we can talk about the goal, I guess, and mm. God knows what Rodrigo was doing. Um, yeah, strange. <laughs> Really odd. I mean, yeah. I get his idea. Like the ball falls to him on that side. He's got his back to. Uh, he's got. Well, he's facing his own goal, and you think that instinctively you're trying to switch the play to the other side where you're expecting one of your players to be more free. Now, Saka just doesn't leave Stroik, I think it is at the time. Uh, it doesn't leave him on, on our right-hand side. And it just drops much deeper than I think Rodrigo intended kind of that crossfield pass to go. And then we get the ball and, and Odegaard's pass inside. 
people talk a little bit about kind of the the pros and cons of Erdegaard, the cons being more so he doesn't offer enough in terms of his shooting and he could score more goals. But when it comes down to his vision, the weight of his passing and his creativity, especially in moments like this, it can't be faulted. It's brilliant. And then, of course, the finish from Saka, which in combination, it was brilliant. Yeah, well, what a finish, by the way. I mean, for a mm. player who, Saka is another one who, like Odegaard, be criticised him for not being a great finisher or not scoring enough goals. He has been superb this week. That's uh, four goals this week alone for Bukayo mm. Saka, I think. Takes him up something close to like is it yeah. four goals and five assists in 13 games, I, I heard. So, you know, it's not bad yeah. for a player who supposedly has been below par for the whole season. But <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Yes, Odegaard was... I thought he was really good in the first half. I thought he was Arsenal's best player in the first half. I thought, like the rest of the team, he faded a little bit away in the second half. But those that first half where he was just making passes and uh, sort of uh, linking play, doing stuff that I don't think any Arsenal player could really do. There was some nice flowing attacking movements, um, the patterns of play, the little triangles that we see, the the knocking it about, the just the, the stuff that's become so familiar with Arsenal this season. Yeah, and Odegaard was at the hub of a lot of that and with the pass to Saka it's, it's a perfectly weighted ball it seems like an easy pass but it's, it's not it's not that easy a ball to play inside of I think you said Strauk is it and uh, yeah nice to get that straight into Saka's path and Saka then knows exactly what to do but it's a really difficult ball and he plays it superbly and I'm not someone who um, who really gets too hung up on Odegaard's end product I think people get a bit too obsessed with the goals and assist stats and they assume yeah. The players not scoring goals or getting assists that they're therefore uh what's that online term in the mud to, to use <laughs> just because just i feel like that's the sort of an obsession that comes from online when you sort of having these debates yeah. you know, Erdegaard versus de bruyne kind of debate and someone will say oh uh, Erdegaard is uh way worse than de bruyne because he's not got many goals and assists and that kind of stuff it's that for me it's irrelevant they're different players but yeah weird one but Erdegaard was superb in the first half fell away in the second but what arsenal player didn't no, exactly. Uh, everybody fell away in the second half. And that, that that's kind of the next line of thinking is that we've come out of a halftime thinking how grateful we are that we've got this goal and we've got this lead. And so you go into it thinking, well, they're going to come out, you know, surely with the idea of trying to kill the game off, similar to the Palace game where we managed to get a 1-0 lead and then killed it in the second half with that 2-0 and it really did kill it at that point, despite Palace looking good. But from minute one, you know, Bamford has the ball in the back of the net very, very fortunately, it, it, I think, in my view, that it was ruled out because he's deemed to have fouled Gabriel with a bit of a push. But from my perspective, and certainly in time, I thought, oh, he's just out, he's just outbattled him. Like he's just outbattled him for the ball, taking it down well and finished well. So if that was the other way around, Kyra, I'd be screaming for Arsenal yeah. to have that goal allowed. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. I'd be furious if Arsenal conceded that goal and it was given. It'd be really disappointing. Um that was the first bit of good luck that Arsenal got on the day. The first of many mm. bits of good luck that they got on the day that went for them. But, um, you know, sometimes you make your own luck. It's what I want to say. I'm trying to convince myself <laughs> as I say it, and I'm not sure I do. But yeah. uh, you, know, you have to ride that luck, and that's what Arsenal did. Oh, they really did. Absolutely. Um, not only did they ride their luck for that, but they did for the subsequent 50 minutes that followed <laughs> um, in the game as well, because there was chance after chance for Leeds, and this, I think, really highlighted, despite our attacking and potentially how we worked through the outlets, wasn't that great in the second half. Defensively, the blocks, the challenges, the defending, 
you know, besides Saliba's moment of madness uh, with the handball, which we can talk about as well, I thought that as a unit in the second half, and I was very critical of Tommy Asu in particular in the first half, his, his performance. But in the second half, I think everybody stepped up. When Rob Holding and Tierney came on, I think they added extra, you know, defensive fervour as well, and we really benefited from that. But in particular, before we get to the chaos of the last six minutes, I thought Gabriel overall was probably a standout in the team defensively and was was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, should we should we move on to talking about that last six minutes now? I suppose you can't really talk about Gabriel without yeah. talking about it. it <laughs> yeah, was, it was sort of a real best and worst kind of moment of Gabriel in sort of sense that not every game is going to be one where you can just waltz through serenely and you know swim on the surface like a swan and just be chilled like Saliba, Ben White, Tommy Asi, those kind of players. They're excellent at that. Sometimes you need someone who is a bit of a brawler. You need someone who's willing yeah. to scrap and some you sort of, you know, if, if it goes down and he's willing to fight back. And Gabriel did that. And sort of up until the 95th minute, we were all saying, well, this is fantastic. And then he fought back a little bit too hard. And you're sort of thinking, oh, well, maybe he's overstepped the mark. And this is the the line that Gabriel treads really carefully between sort of magnificence and mm. sort of madness. And it's, it's a really hard thing to gauge lots of people have been critical of him this season because of the mistakes he's made but on Sunday from a defensive perspective he was outstanding he made blocks he made interceptions tackles won all of his aerial duels eight of his nine ground duels was superb almost faultless from a defensive perspective which when you consider how much relentless pressure Arsenal were under for about mm. 45 minutes consistently in the second half or 50 if you want to add in the added time that's really difficult to do and we all talk about how calm and composed Saliba is. When Leeds sort of turned up the pressure and, um, you know, their fans were on them and the, the atmosphere was crazy on the day, it was it was William Saliba who faltered. It wasn't Gabriel. It was Saliba who had a moment of madness. Saliba who sort of fell away. And this isn't me criticising Saliba, by the way. Yeah. I, I love William Saliba. But this was sort of a day where he fell away and Gabriel, who's often the one who's criticised for being a bit more rash and a bit more, you know, maybe swayed easily by the the emotions of the game it was Gabriel who kept his composure but 95th minute a lot of it gets overwritten I had this in my own player ratings where I was, I was talking to you about it where I sort of I'd given him yeah. a seven then I brought him down to a six then I brought him down to a five and then I put him back up to a six and I, I even think the six is a little bit harsh but that moment at the end of the game is hopefully not entirely what people remember the game about but to kick out of Bamford there's no need to do it um, it's yeah. the 95th minute he's fouled you if you just go down and take the foul you sort of you can waste time you can kill a bit of extra seconds it's a stupid thing of Banford to do mm. and what he does is he kicks out and yes he got away with it not being a red card if he had made contact that moment of petulance would have seen him out for the next three games which you know, what is that Southampton, Chelsea, Wolves. Is that all the way to the World Cup, if I'm not mistaken? I think uh, so, so Southampton, Nottingham Forest, Forest or, uh, well. Chelsea, Wolves yeah Okay, so he would have missed three of the next four games. Including yeah. Chelsea, which is obviously exactly. huge. Exactly. Yeah. So he would have you know, left Arsenal in a real tight spot um, for a moment of complete petulance, which was a bit unnecessary. I know Bamford shouldn't budge into him and all that kind of stuff, but strikers do that in the Premier League. It's just what happens. And yeah. I, I do wonder with Gabriel, he's becoming this sort of lightning rod among the Arsenal fan base. And it seems there always has to be one where... I wrote about this in my talking points this morning where someone has to be the single point of criticism for fans to yeah. have a debate over. It was Granite Xhaka for so many years and I see a lot of similarities between Xhaka and Gabriel in the sense they're both animated characters, they're both up for the fight, they're both excellent players. 
but they're also prone to moments of madness and rashness. And Arsenal fans, I think, over the next couple of years are going to continue to debate that. You know, is it worth? Is the the gain worth the cost? All that kind of stuff. Mm. And I think it is. I think Gabriel brings a lot more to the Arsenal back line than he gets credit for, particularly this season. And I, yeah. I would, you know, if, if it's if every player in the Arsenal squad is fit, I would start Gabriel at centre back every single time. But I just think he has these moments of madness in him, and he seems to attract controversy in a way that Xhaka did in the early part of his Arsenal career, less so these days. And it just leaves you wondering, sort of, there's always that little doubt in your back of your mind, and that I don't think there necessarily needs to be. But it's, yeah. it's always it's always a bit of a question with Gabriel, and I think it will continue to be for for a long time because I don't see him. I don't really want him to lose that fire in his game because it's part of yeah. what makes defender. I think you so. can control it though. Like I think you can rein it in. Like he, that's his style. He is rash. He's hungry. He's um, very committed. But what happened yesterday doesn't need to happen. Like that. That's that's not a tactical tweak. That's just keeping your head at one nil up in the final moments. Someone's trying to wind you up. We get that. You know, someone that's been probably, you know, trying to get the better of your game. You've you've nearly done it. You've cool. nearly beaten him. Uh, and and you've let your head go. And that has cost us so many times in the past. That is something of the Arsenal 2010s that I don't want to return in, in the 2020s. You know, it's something that I've, I've seen us really try and move on from. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I remember sitting next to you and debating about the, the match ratings and stuff like that. You know, I think for me, I probably would have given it a seven, but... I think that the way in which he goes down, the way in which he goes down and kicks out, you know, it's it's very difficult to not, as an Arsenal fan, which we both are, you know, whilst writing about it, to get very frustrated at what could have cost us had he have made contact with Bamford, you know, in that moment, which thankfully he he didn't, and that's why it ultimately did get over. Well, the red card got overturned because of that. He'd already been fouled, so the penalty was never in doubt. But yeah, um, and so Arsenal come away from the weekend <laughs> somehow four points clear at the top of the table, guy. Which is, you know, I, I had talked to Bailey this morning on the Arsenal Agenda show. And he basically says that that Liverpool result was an anomaly. Still, that Man City are will run away. Uh, the Matt, that you know, what did you think? I meant? I thought you talked about the Arsenal Liverpool result. I was like, no, that no, no, no. Okay, yeah, as on. in, like, yeah, Man City yeah. losing that game was a little. He used, I think, he used the Arsenal Manchester United game as a bit of a uh, a comparison, as in Man City were by far the better team still and should have won the game, and obviously had a goal ruled out very similarly for a foul leading up to it, uh, just as Arsenal did at Old Trafford, but. You know, in the end, a counter-attack and a moment of madness defensively has cost City. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, it's very good for us. So the question is, do you believe yet, Kaya? Do you believe? Yeah. <laughs> is your belief growing at all? Yeah. So I, 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 I meant we Obviously, we were working and the Arsenal game got delayed. So the amount of the City-Liverpool game we were able to watch was, was limited. I managed to catch the last 20 minutes and I see what Bailey's saying in the sense that it did feel like every defeat Manchester City have ever had in the sense that they dominated possession, yeah. tried to pass the team into submission and just couldn't get through. It happens to Man City once or twice a season. It seems to happen all the time. Uh, it was odd that it came against Liverpool. Um, but Liverpool at Anfield seem to have just this 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 hold over every single team they play. Was it five and a half years in front of fans they've not lost, which is unbelievable. Yeah. So that happens and I don't expect Arsenal to win at Anfield. So, you know, we can expect that to be another loss maybe. But... You know, <laughs> it's interesting. I was watching the, the last twenty minutes in a pub near the near the Emirates Stadium, waiting for my train. And um, 
you get talking to a few Arsenal fans and they're all trying, jokingly, you know, we're going to win the league, we're going to win the league. And then you say, yeah. do you actually believe that? Like, no, God, no, 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 no way. And then everyone sort of goes, yeah, but we might do. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Really, really <laughs> and everyone's sort of wanting to really keep their feet on the ground and stop themselves sort of running away with themselves and getting too excited. But when you look at the table, you're four points clear after 10 games. That's, that looks pretty good. So hey, just do that three more times. Three more exactly. times. So that that ten games. Just do it three. Just less than three more times. You know, two games less than that, and, yeah. and we're golden. Easy. Exactly. Easy. 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 I don't know what everyone's worried about, but it's a no. uh, <laughs> uh, it's a strange, strange situation where I don't think anyone, even now, Arsenal mm. have won nine games from ten. They've pretty much, apart from the Leeds game, been the better side in every single one of those games, and they. They find themselves four points clear at the top of the Premier League. Someone, something in this this Arsenal fan base, and myself included, I'm sure it's the same for you, mm. feel that we can't afford to get carried away just because it's, 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 it's you just can't believe it. And yeah, it's just feel this the sort of the, the 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 fall is coming soon. The whole pride coming before a fall. It feels like the falls on its way. And I think everyone's sort of trying to soften, prepare themselves. So they soften that mm. blow, and it doesn't hurt too hard when when we inevitably do start losing games you know it is gonna happen and um i just i don't know when and maybe this Leeds game was a sign of sort of arsenal starting to run out of gas a bit i don't know maybe they'll get arrested before psv and they'll, they'll be ready to go again but do i believe in answer to your question no i don't believe that arsenal are going to win the premier league but mm. i do believe that this kind of run they can sustain it and that in itself does seem to suggest I do believe they'll win the Premier League. I don't know, man. It's it's, it's tough. It's impossible right now. City are too yeah. good and too consistent aside, and I think nine times out of ten they probably win that game against Liverpool. And you know we got lucky that it was the tenth time out of ten, and nine times out of ten Arsenal lose that game against Leeds, and mm. we lucky that it was the tenth time out of ten. So I don't think you can keep that luck up across the whole season. I think you know we're starting to see injuries are taking their toll on Arsenal a little bit. Fatigue is coming into play. The whole Thursday Sunday thing is definitely playing a part so whether Arsenal are able to to keep it going for a long time mm. we'll see we'll see but the way they're playing apart from Leeds generally suggests that they, they're, they're able to yeah I mean if you injuries aside let's just hypothetically injuries we do get lucky touch woods you know about this um I believe we are better than Chelsea I believe we're better than than Liverpool this season and I think the evidence of 14 point gap is is, is certainly there uh I know they've played one game less of course uh, I think we're better than Spurs, as have we shown. I think, you know, we're better than Manchester United, even though we didn't beat them. I think the evidence of this season shows that we're better than them. And maybe if it wasn't for Erling Haaland at Manchester City this season, I would, you know, I'd be really tempted to say that I reckon we can go toe-to-toe with them um, with the way in which we've improved the team. But with him being there, it's it's just such a different, it's such a difference for them. You know, to give that team such a key focal point, just to kind of concentrate everything through is, is almost feels like you're cheating the game. And Jurgen Klopp's words ahead of the game at the weekend certainly rang true. I know for a lot of fans, and I think he was absolutely fair, in my opinion, to say yeah. what he said. Um, but the context of the 10 games that we've played, you know, this isn't... I remember the first few weeks of the season when people were saying, you know, Arsenal haven't played anyone yet. But actually, if you look at the 10 games, you know, beating Liverpool, you know, winning the North London derby, which, yes, we always get a good result at the Emirates, but you still got to do it we lose at Crystal Palace all the time, you know, and we've picked up two points. Uh, we picked up a, a win with two goals there. Um, 
away at Bournemouth is something that historically, you know, Arsenal have dropped points there in the past. They've lost there. They've drawn there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Olivier Giroud's famous scorpion kick celebration satirically at 3-3 in the final moments. Alexis Sanchez getting angry at him for not running back. You know, and we dominated in that game. And we, we absolutely ruined Bournemouth in that game. And you go through the other performances like where we've gone 1-0 down. We, we last season came back from one from a goal down once against Wolves all season. We've managed to do that against Fulham this time around. The Aston Villa game, you know, it was a dogged performance to get a 2-1 victory. And we've had our defeat against Man United. And the thing about last season was when we lost, we lost again. And then sometimes we even lost again. But we turned that around after we lost to Man United. And we've, we've managed to stop a, a losing streak from taking place. You are not going to have the ability, as I feel before the game on Sunday, to be the better team in pretty much every game you play. It's just not going to happen, no matter if you're playing Liverpool, no matter if you're playing someone in the bottom half of the table. Sometimes you just have a bad day, and sometimes you come up a team who are having a good day. But I tell you, if you can win those games that you have a bad day in and that the opposition looks better, they're the difference makers come the end of the season. They really are the difference makers, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so Mikel Arteta in the press conference. Sorry, did you want to? Yeah, just yeah, I was, no, I was exactly about to say that. Yeah. That's exactly what Arteta was touching on in his press conference. Yeah. He, he spoke about on Thursday. Bodo Glimt, Arsenal were equally poor. If you know they were slightly better than they played against Leeds, but they weren't good. It wasn't a great game. And he spoke about how you know in different contexts you, you need to find ways to win. And an Arsenal team that made loads of changes on Thursday managed to get a win an Arsenal team that made an equal amount of changes on uh, Sunday and had injuries and had players who were fatigued, had players who were tired. You know, they'd just been into the Arctic Circle. They'd, they'd come through a horrible night on a on a on an artificial pitch and who knows what physical implications that might have had on them. There was the delay and all the psychology that comes behind that and the sort of the, the muscle routine and the nutrition and all that kind of stuff. And maybe, you know, it didn't seem to affect Leeds too much, but that's something that you know you need to bear into account and it was a lead side who were up for it from the very often we mentioned all the statistics at the start of the pod and you know now Arsenal found a way to win and you're right that's a game that Arsenal don't win last season or probably the season before the season before that I mean even Wenger's Arsenal in the sort of 2010s they probably lose that kind of game but this Arsenal team somehow managed to find a way to win and uh, I don't know if they genuinely thought they were going to lose at any stage. And sort of the, the belief is, is that for me, that's, that's what sort of sets yeah. you free. If you like, you sort of, you're tied up by your own psychological in, inhibitions in the sense that you, you're so afraid of losing. You're so afraid of making a mistake that you sort of, you play with the, with the shackles on and Arsenal now go into games, very confident that sort of rain or shine, they can get a win and you know, they don't draw games, they win games. And that doesn't happen very much across the Premier League. And Arsenal are doing it fantastically. And yeah, it's 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 really positive. And that was what Arteta was was really focusing on. Weirdly, mm. he was, I'd argue, in terms of mood, more happy with this win. Yeah. The press conference. Than Did you the find that weird? Because I thought he was going to be like a little bit exhausted. And, you know, to be honest, not really wanting to chat about it. And kind of just because it wasn't our best performance by any means. You know, it no, wasn't it was, you'd be lauding by any chance. It was a short press conference. I think he was only there for about four minutes. And he mm. came in very early. Normally he takes his time. But he was straight in. So he sailed through his, his media rounds, got straight through to us in the, in the press room. I only actually just made it in time. But um, he was very quick and... I think he was just buzzing. I think we saw those mm. celebrations on the touchline, the way his fist pumping at the end. It was more vociferous than against Liverpool. And that, that I think shows you, I think I think he is a manager who intrinsically understands the value of psychology and the, the value of these kind of experiences and positive learning experiences 
for his team. And I think he understands that maybe, of course, you know, they're wanting to open up a gap at the top of the table and sort of maybe he's starting to believe that a title chase is on. But mm. the I think he's someone who also in the long-term project side of things understands that this is tangible progress in the sense that we were speaking just then about how Arsenal wouldn't have won these games in the past and they're winning these games. And that is, you know, cause to celebration. And no, I didn't think it was weird. I thought, you know, it was, it's a weird kind of game in the sense that you sort of come away from it laughing, whereas with the, the Liverpool game, you sort of come away from it thinking, yeah. oh, thank God that's over. Yeah, 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 you think that absolutely. in the same way against Leeds, but you sort of think... Because we got oh, lucky. Yeah. Because it was a sense of luck. Like, you know, it yeah. was just, it was an overriding sense of oh, relief, but also like, how, how, like how on earth have we got away with that? Like, you know, yeah. it's that sense of getting away, I think, with something. And we yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. And that in, in its core is, is funny in some ways, you know, playing knock down ginger on someone and running away and, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that for me is, is kind of that sense of, you know, we, you got away with something. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's yeah, it's revealing far too much about my my frivolous youth there. Um, but no, <laughs> regard. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Ramsdale after the game, and he he was in a serious, but he was in a serious but kind of um, relaxed mood. It's, it's it was difficult to kind of interpret kind of how he was obviously relieved with the result and pleased with his performance, but he was very serious in the sense that he knew that we hadn't played well. like, And he wasn't, I don't think he was particularly happy with the way that we played, but at the same time made up that he was crucial in Arsenal getting those three points. And so when I asked him, like, um, I asked him about whether or not he felt that in those moments where he, he was very complimentary of Leeds. And so when I said, you know, you, you've mentioned how good Leeds were and how they stopped us from playing our game. Mikel Arteta talks a lot about how it is how it's so important for us to just play our game sometimes, like not think about too much about the opponent, but we have to play to our best abilities. So when the opponent doesn't let you do that, is the way that you play more off instinct or does it still come from lots of planning? And he was very adamant that this all comes from Mikel Arteta planning for every single scenario, teaching them what they need to do in each different type of game state and scenario and I still, I still personally think a lot of instinct comes into it, you know, positionally, how you behave in certain moments, as we've talked about with Gabrielle, you know, there is still a lot of instinct in the way that a footballer plays. It can't all be robotic and orchestrated and like, a, you know, a puppeteer type thing. I don't think it's like that. Um, but what I do think that is that you can still see the organisation, how much has improved. You can see how that the positionally of the players, the structure of the squad, the the way in which we change when holding comes on and we go to a back three, that that system, that formation of a back three with the wing-backs of Tomiyasu, White or Tierney playing in those roles is is practice. It's not just, right, lads, we're going to a back three, you know, deal with it. You know, it's it's very clear the way we set things up. And, and Ramsdale himself, I thought, was just extraordinary, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I, th I think that was a really good interview. I read the piece this morning. I, I encourage everyone to to do the same. It's a really good piece that Tom's put together there. And that the whole thing about um, preparing the team for every aspect, Arteta does seem like that kind of guy who's just, he's, he's, he's so intense that you assume he's covered every possible base. And sometimes, of course, he'll get caught out. And I think maybe he was a little bit caught out by, by Leeds pressing. But, you know, he was speaking after the game about how he'd spoken to the players before and said, there's going to be periods where it's going to be really sort of turn up to 11 here at Ellen Road. Mm. It's going to be full on and you're going to have to deal with it. How are you going to deal with it? And that's the questions he asked of his players. And so I don't think any of them could have gone in saying, well, we didn't expect it to be difficult. So 
no, it's, it's interesting to hear Ramsdale talking about that. And it's interesting that it, it's it's sort of seeping through. It's not all managers are able to communicate their ideas with, with clarity in a way that allows players to go out and enact that stuff on the pitch. But Arteta's mm. doing it and that's tough. And I think he's been, you know, Ramsdale is, for me, was man of the match yesterday from an Arsenal perspective and clearly one of the biggest proponents of what Mikel Arteta's trying to do. And yeah, really, really exciting that sort of that's the way they're, they're interpreting these things, and that's the way they're, they're acting because I think they were they were very good on the on the day. The the the, the Arsenal goalkeeper, they he was very good on the day. The Arsenal goalkeeper, and I think that was you know a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it was key. Um, and after you know Turner's performance, though I know we maybe differ slightly on how we view Turner's performance in Norway, but you know two very decent performances, two clean sheets. Key in interceptions, um, keeping composed. I, I think that both of them did fantastically well. So it's good to know. I think it gives us encouragement that that position is, is you know, for me anyway, is, is absolutely <laughs> secured. So I'm very happy about that. Um, let's talk about where this kind of leaves us for Thursday because Thursday is, is tough because we're going up against PSV who are, in my view, and having watched a couple of their games, especially in the Europa League this season, are a rampant goal-scoring side. They can score goals for fun. Now... If you are listening on audio platforms, you won't see the wry smile appearing across Kyle's face. <laughs> um, kind of give me your view on on why you see PSV and why potentially you don't see them as, as much of a challenge as I potentially do. Well, I mean, we see that the, you, you focus on the, the strengths they have. I'm focusing on the strengths Arsenal have. And Arsenal have three, three <laughs> We might not have those strengths because you have to rotate. <laughs> well, even with players like Eddie Nketiah, Marquinhos, Reese Nelson, Fabio Vieira, Granite Xhaka, if he plays, Erdogan, if he plays, that's a that's a, a decent attacking lineup. It's obviously mm. not superb. It's not one that would probably win a, a Premier League if we're talking about Arsenal winning titles and all that kind of stuff. But it's a team that I think should be capable of... of Dispatching a PSV side at home. I don't expect all of those to play, by the way. I think Mikel Arteta will, like you say, go relatively strong. We've put yeah. out an opinion piece that you guys can check out um, on the on the Football London website discussing me, myself, uh, me, Tom and Bailey have all discussed what we think um, should happen on Thursday. I'm obviously quite pro-change and quite pro-resting a lot of players because I think a lot of the Arsenal players looked absolutely knackered um, yeah. after, after the Leeds game and I think they needed a bit of a, a time to rest. So... Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not too afraid of PSV. This does feel like sort of a, a sort of a jinxing it moment, and the moment that will be clipped up and come back to bite me. I'm sure and PSV fans, <laughs> if there are any watching, um, I'm sure you know, take note of it and feel free to to have a go at me for it. But or listening in for that matter. But I just think that I know they score a lot of goals, but yeah. Arsenal are a team who have their own offensive. Um, capabilities as well and they can cause teams problems even their second string because they have such a defined style of play and you talk about Arteta preparing the players for mm. all eventualities I do think that they'll be prepared and I think they'll be ready and I think it'll be it should be a win for Arsenal against PSV and which of course if they do win then does set them up rather nicely for the, the rest of the group and possibly even progression beyond that Mm, yeah, potentially. Uh, I think that if we win this, uh, obviously a, a win against Zurich confirms uh, our place at the top of the group. So, you know, for me, it's a case of I'd go strong more because I think it's a great opportunity to kind of really secure yourself as a top spot um, for the end. And I think that other PSV game comes before the Forest game away from home. So I feel like, you know, uh, sorry, when we're at home, but I know that we're away at Eindhoven. Yeah. I think that we can potentially rest more players in the away game 
it might not be that we win that game, um, but then we can, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity then, you know, you've got Zurich, say, the, the following week. And yes, it, it, we, we didn't have the best of games in when we played in, not Zurich, but uh, where did we play? Yeah. Was it? St. Gallen. St. Gallen, yes, of course, because it was moved because of an athletics tournament, as, as it does. Um, indeed, yeah. Uh, but I think that there is still... An element of me that also after, because we've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and there's opportunity for training sessions, which I wasn't ahead of the game this weekend. I think that other players might need to actually to get back into the swing of things, potentially in playing at the Emirates, playing into a bit of form, because we haven't been too good in the last two games. Jesus in particular, I look to, I would play Jesus in this game. But if it was up to me, I'd play Jesus. I would bring Eddie Nketiah in. I'd move Jesus to more of a wider role or vice versa. But I think the other player they're keeping is Martinelli. So uh, Martinelli, Jesus, and Ketia front three is what I'd go for. I feel as though you'd keep two, you'd keep one of the front three and then rotate two yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's an exciting sounding lineup. Don't get me wrong. I think that sounds very fun, and I think I'd enjoy watching it. Yeah. But Gabriel Jesus to me looked absolutely knackered yesterday, and I don't <laughs> think he was at his best, which is weird given that he didn't play in midweek and we don't fully know the circumstances around his absence yeah. and, you know Arsenal said he was being rested Arteta said he had some discomfort after the game against Liverpool and all that kind of stuff so yeah. for me he, he didn't look fully fit and mm. I think his display was an impact to that and you, you sort of mentioned earlier I think when we were off air um, that sort of he was even deeper than Martin Erdegaard on the day and I mm. think he really struggled to offer Arsenal weren't much of an outfall and that was a problem. And I do think in the second half, Arsenal were, were sort of failing to get out in part because their centre-forward kind of went missing. And that's not me having a massive go at him because he's been so outstanding this season. Mm. I think he's you know, allowed an off day. But I do think he needs a rest. He looked like a player who was tired. So I wouldn't I wouldn't involve him at all. He's so crucial. Just save him for Southampton where you're going to need him a lot more than when you're going to need him against PSV. So I wouldn't play Jesus. I'd, I'd, you know, maybe Saka and Martinelli either side of Benketa if you have to do it. But yeah, yeah I, wouldn't, I wouldn't play him. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think that there's other players. Partey's a temptation. I know that we all want to wrap him in bubble wrap, you know, because he's had his injury issues. I see you're shaking your head there, but I, I would start him. I think that we need to control things. He's going to be going up against the midfield with Scott Ibrahim Sangara in, who is a fantastic midfielder, um, one that's been linked with Arsenal a lot. Uh, and I know a lot of Arsenal fans would like to see him come into the team. And then you're going up against a front three of, of Xavi Simmons, Cody Gakpo, and probably Till uh, up top. Uh, all three score goals. Uh, Till got two uh, in there. One at the weekend. Javi Simmons got two as well. And Gakpo's just a, on fire in terms of his goal contributions this season. And I imagine won't be being linked to the likes of Leeds as he was in the summer, but more so on much bigger sides uh, with respect to them in the summer of 2023. So we'll see how that one goes. Maybe Arsenal. Who knows? You mentioned uh, the, the kind of the changes. I, I'd skipped over this a bit from the game, but it's something that I know a lot of people are talking about on Twitter. Is Arteta being a bit too late with some of the changes that he makes, do you think? Because I know when I was sitting next to you, I was saying I wanted Tierney on earlier. I really wanted to see Tierney come in. And I know there are some people saying that he's a bit late. I, I think Jesus could have been taken off because of the way he was playing soon. I think Nketi could have given us more of an outlet earlier on in the game. Is, is he being a bit too cautious before making a change? Could he be a little bit more proactive with his subs? I know we're top of the league and I don't know why I'm being critical, but you know what I mean? Like, I just feel as though there could be a bit more hastiness sometimes. Yeah, I know what you're saying and I understand it. I just think that, um, yeah, Arteta for me is sort of, 
it's always been a thing with him, hasn't it? From the very start, we've always been saying with Arteta, you know, does he does he make those changes a little bit too late? Does he impact games from the bench as much as other coaches? And I think, you know, we got used yeah. to it with Unai Emery being a manager who consistently changed games from the bench um, for better or for worse. And uh, Mikel Arteta doesn't really do that. He likes to stick with plan A rather than immediately reverting to, to plan B. And I, I think that's a good thing on the whole. Mm. But I'm just trying to look up the timings of uh, when the the substitutions were made and I'm just getting them now. And, you know, it's not great for audio. Man looks up thing on the internet. <laughs> Man looks up fixture yeah. timings. And exactly. So, yeah, let's, let's talk. So, Vieira came off Erdogan, 73rd minute. Uh, Tierney came off then White, 76th. Uh, and and Holding came on for Jesus and Saka in the 82nd, which it felt earlier in the game, I have to say. It didn't feel like... there were six added minutes. <laughs> yeah, I think more just the game was going so slowly from an Arsenal yeah. perspective. It felt a lot yeah. earlier in the match than it was. But yeah, when on paper, when you look at that, taking Jesus off in the 82nd minute does feel a bit late. It does feel as though Arsenal could have possibly um, made that switch earlier than they, they ultimately did. And yes, I, I do think that probably players like Nketiah and Holding, well, Nketiah more so than Holding. I think Holding was sort of, he's, he's a last 10 minutes kind of player, whereas Nketiah, mm. I think, probably could have impacted the game a bit more from the bench if he'd come on a little bit earlier. But listen, I, I think I think it's a valid point. I think it's a criticism, but I think on a day like Sunday where just everything kind of went in Arsenal's favour, maybe it's not the time to, to discuss it too, uh, too intensely. I, I just think that I think the way Arteta's using his squad is pretty fine. I, I wouldn't have played the stronger side as he did against Bodo, but Bukayo Saka scored the winning goal in that game. So apart from that, I think his squad management's been pretty good this season, to be honest. Yeah, no. as I say, with your top of the table, there's not really too much that I'm going to be critical of at all. Uh, it's not to say you can't be critical, but I think it has to be measured and concerned, conservative regarding where we are. Um, so on that, and with PSV there, we then obviously we won't be doing another podcast until uh, the following Monday after the Southampton game. So if we are resting though, Southampton is a game that historically has been a bit up and down for us. You know, last season it was involved in that probably Champions League ending run of three games. Like whilst yeah. we were certainly still in it, you look back on the season, you think the games against Palace, Brighton and Southampton are the reason why we didn't qualify for the Champions League. Yeah. You know, pick up three points in any of those and it's yours. So... We've been there before in the FA Cup. I remember Arteta was accused of throwing an FA Cup game at them. And then obviously we went there in the league and won the game in the week after, I think it was. I think we played them back-to-back, didn't we? Um, and we managed to win that league game. We've you know lost to some crazy goals. Who was the guy that scored? Is it Martina? Hugo uh, Martina, yeah. Uh, scored that ridiculous kind of outside the foot curling effort. scored again since. But, yeah, yeah, we've then gone with a really changed side. I remember in the FA Cup, Eddie and Ketty has taken us through uh, with, a, with a goal or two against Southampton as well. Um, it, it's a really difficult side to play and you don't know what's going to happen and they don't have any midweek fixtures again. Do you see this being similar to the Leeds game in the sense that we'll be tired potentially from PSV and they'll be energised knowing they've had uh, only a few days because they do have Premier League football, to be fair. So, yeah, we won't have that. But, yeah, how do you feel about the game overall? Yeah, they've got a, a derby, if you like, with Bournemouth. And they'll mm. have uh, one more it's day's a big game. It's rest. a really big yeah. game. Yeah. They'll have one more day's rest uh, than Arsenal will. Um Southampton's a weird game to predict, to be honest, because yeah. you have no idea what kind of Ralph Arsenal team is going to turn up. Like they could be 
a team that causes Arsenal a lot of problems. They could be a team that loses 9-0 to Arsenal. You don't know. <laughs> They've got it in them. They've got every sort of type of performance in them. And they're an exciting team. They're a young team. They're not doing that great. They're in the bottom three in the Premier League. And I think there's a lot of discontent with Ralph Arsenal and sort of maybe that cycle of management is coming towards an end. I think Southampton fans are starting to get a bit disgruntled with him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I so little worry about that game. I don't think you can ever really write off Southampton at St. Mary's just because it's, yeah. it's a weird count for us. You were spot on there. I, I think for some reason, even this Southampton side, when they're not uh, a side who are maybe at their best or as strong as they were in the past when they were sort mm. of challenge pushing on Europa League football under Ronald Koeman and um, Pochettino before him. Now I don't really know what to make of Southampton. They're a, a dangerous team. They're a banana skin of a team, as most teams are in the Premier League. But yeah, it's a it's a very strange one. It's not great insight to be honest, because I just I just don't know <laughs> from Southampton. They're yeah. very weird team to predict. I think they really miss Armando Breuer, uh, to be honest. Uh, I think he was an absolute focal point, you know, from them last season and they didn't replace him. You know, they, they've they had, um, they've obviously got Che Adams there. They've got Mara as well. Um, but they haven't got, I, I don't I don't look at anyone that they've brought and gone, yeah, you know, they really pre- replaced what they had in, in, in Armando Breuer and, and that, that I think they've paid for that, you know, this season. I think also an impact of Minamino when he came in on loan from Liverpool had an impact for them as well. I think they're only just getting uh, Livramento to start. I think he's he's starting to come back as well, which is going to be a positive for them because he was excellent. Actually, Arsenal were tracking him until he had his serious knee injury as well. So... Who knows what kind of team's going to come up against us? They do play more so in a 4-4-2, which Arsenal haven't really come up against this season. They've mainly played up against single strikers. I suppose you could say Liverpool played with a two-striker system um, with Jota and, uh, and, well, Firmino and Nunez for most of it, to be fair, and Diaz and Salah on the wings, but Jota was there too. So, yeah, we haven't gone up against too much of that, which means he's got the opportunities to see doubling up on the fullbacks again, like we saw Liverpool do and combine, uh, which could be an issue if we're caught in behind, especially on our left-hand side, depending on who plays. Who knows? But if Arsenal can come through that, another away victory at a Premier League side where we've got a bad record, 10 wins in 11. I mean, nine wins in 10 has never been done by Arsenal in the top flight. Why are you yeah. holding your head like that? I'm just getting stressed. Just those numbers, they stress me out, man. They just, I can't, <laughs> I can't engage with them. They don't seem real to me. They seem, they, they seem sort of like we're tempting fate with each time we mention it. And, you know, we have to mention it because it's going on. Mm. Can't ignore the reality, but it's just something about the whole ten wins and eleven stresses me out. It's just, it's fantastic and I love it, but <laughs> it just seems like every week it's like, if Arsenal can win this game or if they can win that game, it's just, I think maybe it's sort of being burnt in the past and the whole hope that kills you kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird weird time to be an Arsenal fan right now, and it's a weird time as well to be to be covering the club like we do. It's it's very strange time. It's a great, great time. Times. It's great a great time. time. Yeah. But, no, it is. Look, the the feeling that it's like from in just inside, and I'm only you know I've only got the experience of this season. You'll be able to speak on to it more, but there is just kind of a, there's an excitement when you go to Arsenal games that just wasn't there a few years ago. Even when Arteta first took over, especially in that season where we finished eighth and to play, to, you know people weren't turning up. Even after it just got back to football, COVID had just finished. Even then, people were choosing not to come because it was just 
dire at times and the results were dire and the performances weren't great because he didn't have his players. Now he's got what he wanted. He's been backed. He's built a team that he can truly see as his. And we're seeing the benefits of that. And yes, we've got a bit of luck, but what title winner doesn't ever get luck in a season, Kaya? So, you know, you need a little bit of luck sometimes. What's nice is that we've gone into this season with our mindset of Champions League is the minimum expectation for us. And we could not have started the season with a better foundation to go on and, and, and achieve that. Um, yes, doing it at this point of the season comes with you know, a lot more talk of other things rather than if you have kind of have a, a massive, you know, nine out of 10 wins at the end of a season to, to run towards top four. And certainly if it was the flip the other way, say we had a bad start like we did last season, say we'd have finished last season with nine in 10 and got top four, it would have been, wow, look at Arsenal, they're back, Champions League qualification. If we do it the other way around, uh, as we could do this season and we say limp, and I don't want to say this negatively, but say limp to top four after how we've started the season, all the rhetoric will be around the disappointment rather than the achievement. So I'm hoping that we just find our consistency. We are going to drop points. There are going to be Man United. There are going to be Leeds games where we don't get fortunate as we did yesterday and that we're still very well placed in the league. Kai, do you have any closing thoughts before we round off our what we're going to describe as our first official views from the clock end podcast yeah um well, i guess my my closing thoughts for this being the first podcast is similar to many of the previous sort of arsenal way podcasts we've done is um a thank you very much everyone for watching listening however you're consuming this and b we'd love to get your questions in uh going forward we'd love to sort of make this as interactive as possible and, and get an element of sort of uh answering what you guys want to be hearing about we want you to set the agenda for this podcast obviously we'll be talking about what the main talking points are from the game but we also want to talk about what you guys are talking about as fans so please do get involved tweet myself tweet tom um you can see our little twitter handles at the bottom there or if you're listening he's talk, tom canton media i'm kind of at 97 and just uh we'll we'll try and put out tweets in the mornings before we're doing a podcast just to ask your questions that kind of stuff but yeah get involved because i think it'd be fun i think we want to try and on me i think we want to try and create a community here on this uh views in the mm. clock end podcast we want everyone to get involved and we need all of you to make this as good as possible so fingers crossed it's it's going to be something we can sustain and we want to do it every monday coming out at four we'll be recording it hopefully around two and get your questions in because we want to be talking about what you want to be talking about we want this to become a bit of a family here where you can you, everyone feels free to discuss whatever they want to talk about it's, it's going to be an open door policy so get involved as much as you can yeah, absolutely. Look, we're under no illusions that there are some very hard-hitting and heavy uh, number-figured podcasts out there, especially go out on a Monday. And we're very good friends with all the people that you know that produce those. And this is, as we're very well aware, another Arsenal podcast uh, that is going to be out there. But we do feel as people that are going to be at the games and going to the games and um, and things like that, we can provide you some stuff that hopefully is new and exciting and innovative in some ways. But as Kaya said, to make it as interactive as possible would be fantastic. So do tweet us at Tom. To media at Kyle Khan at 97 with any questions you've got in the week. Maybe you want to save them until after the Southampton or PSV games. That's fine. You can tweet us anytime. My DMs are open and I do look through requests. Uh, I'm sure Kai is potentially uh, you can reach him as well yeah. through that mean uh, through that that means as well. So absolutely feel free to if you don't want to publicly post your question, you can do it via DM as well and we can definitely tackle them. So feel free to do it. It's been a genuine pleasure. Kai, thank you for your time, mate, as always. Likewise, thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening and, and watching. And I'll repeat it one more time. Everyone get involved. Uh, yeah, should be fun, these podcasts. So looking forward to many more. 
Absolutely. Um, you can check out all of the written work that we have over at football.london. You'll be able to get coverage of the build-up to the PSV game and the fallout from that, as well as, again, the build-up and the fallout from the Southampton game. Mikel Arteta's press conferences uh, and any information that drops from the team news ahead of both games too. Some really interesting comments and thoughts from the Arsenal U team. Going to be extra cover on that, thanks to Bailey Keogh, who is hopefully going to be a lot more involved and at potentially the game this week. Um, so if you like youth football if you want to learn more about youth football trust me football.london is going to be the place to be this season to learn a lot more about it uh, as well so thank you for tuning in we will see you again very very soon and as always keep following us down the arsenal way on views from the clock end <laughs>